So I want to encourage you in this moment today, um, as we kind of gather around the Lord's word, as we pray together, take this next week. We're going to be restarting services next Sunday. But before we do that, before we come together, would you take some time to really pray over what is God doing in your life in this season? And don't let this week expire. Don't let our time in quarantine and lockdown expire without grasping and living out the purposes that God has for you today in this season. I just really feel like that's on my heart. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up in the sermon as well. But, um, but I wanted to really just say that to begin with. So let's go to the word of God. Let's come expectant. Let's come uh, knowing that God is still speaking to us, knowing that he still has words for us. Uh, would you open up to the book of Joel? If you don't know where Joel is, it's one of the minor prophets. They call them minor prophets, not because they're less important, but just because they're shorter than the major prophets. The major prophets are Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Daniel, Jeremiah. And these are the minor prophets. They're, they're, they're shorter. We're going to go through about two chapters of Joel. I'm not going to read every verse, but we're going to go through that um, and talk about what God, the word that God has for us in this moment. So as you open up to Joel 1, let me just pray for us. Lord, we invite you here into our homes, into our lives, into our circumstances, into our season. Lord, would you come to this place and meet us where we're at? Would you open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive the truth that you have for us this morning? We put ourselves on hold and we look to your word and we look to you, Lord, and ask that you would speak to us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Sometime after the Jews returned from exile, the prophet Joel lived in or around Jerusalem. And during his lifetime, he was able to see the rebuilding process that occurred um, once the Jews came back out of exile during the Persian period, is what we call it, the Persian, when the Persian Empire was in charge of the area. And he begins to see people slowly rebuilding life. And as we begin to emerge from this lockdown, people begin to rebuild their lives. I felt like this portion of scripture is very appropriate to preach out of. He was living during the time of restoration. And we're believing for restoration in our city uh, from this pandemic. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But in the midst of restoration, during this time of restoration, as people are coming back, as they're beginning to rebuild their lives, um, something happens. A tragedy occurs. And that is, Joel, in this section here, describes a swarm of locusts. And he says they're like an army and they descend upon Judah and they devastate the land. Uh, Just as the people are in the midst of rebuilding their lives, it devastates the land. I'm going to go ahead and read just two verses. This is Joel 1, 6 through 7. A nation has invaded my land, he says, powerful and without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It is stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. And a lot of people might read this and think, oh, he's describing an army or or, an actual human army or that kind of thing. But actually, if you read 
the entire book of Joel, it's probably a lot more likely he's literally describing locusts. He's describing an actual army of locusts. Um, locust swarms are not infrequent in this area of the world um, that Joel's in. So the fact that Joel goes into such detail, the fact that he makes such a big deal about it may, means that this is a particularly crazy locust storm, locust swarm. And locusts, here's the thing about locusts. They can eat their body weight in food in a day, their body weight in vegetation. And a, and a locust swarm might have 80 million insects in it. That's insane. Many people right now online, as they're watching me, are just now navigating a way to go to YouTube and look up videos of locust swarms. And I do not blame you because I watched some a few days ago in preparation for this message. And it is insane. These locust swarms are crazy. Uh, that might sound crazy, but mega swarms, the kind of swarms that occur very rarely, uh, can actually have up to hundreds of billions of individual insects in them. That is mind-blowing. Hundreds of billions of insects descending on a land, eating everything. In fact, just in beginning in March of this year, East Africa, the Horn of Africa, and South uh, Southwest Asia have been experiencing exactly the same kind of locust swarm. You can actually look it up online. We need to be praying for them because alongside coronavirus and everything like that, they are battling hundreds of billions of locusts who are completely destroying their crops. And the BBC was saying 8 million lives are now at risk uh, due to starvation because of this uh, locust swarms. Can you imagine, though, if you're living thousands of years ago in Joel's time and there's no... Uh, Red Cross, there's no government assistance, there's no UN, there's no insect aid concert where, you know, Bono and you, you too is going to raise a bunch of funds to help you uh, prepare for this locust swarm. No, you're watching your food, your livelihood, your household's food stores disappear before your very eyes as these locusts come in and destroy everything just as they were be rebuilding their lives, just as they were beginning to get their feet back underneath them after exile, a locust storm comes in and completely destroys everything. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 now. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the, grieving for the husband of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. There's nothing to eat. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. The tragedy that's described here by Joel is like a woman who lost her fiance before their wedding day. The potential, the happy future that she imagined has disappeared overnight. Just as life was beginning to look better, it disappears. Now, look, we're living in a tourist area. All right, Lincoln City is a tourist area. That's our main industry. It's our main source of revenue. And the reality is that we're a couple months into summer, a couple months into our busiest tourist season, 
and there ain't no tourists in town. And we're hearing on Facebook about some of the devastation that this is wreaking uh, for some of the businesses. There's some businesses here that are just shutting down or they're putting on Facebook GoFundMe accounts because they need they need assistance. Otherwise, they're going to shut down. The lockdown is is really destroying that aspect of their lives. The reality of our world is that we live in an increasingly global community. Our little town here in Lincoln City is connected to the rest of the world. And so this pandemic has real and lasting effects, even here in rural Oregon. Here's what Joel says, 16 through 20. Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down for the grain is dried up. Oh, the cattle moan. The herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, O Lord, I cry. For fire has devoured the open pastures and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you. The streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the open pastures. There are long lasting effects of destruction, which are going to be felt in Joel's community and in our community, possibly for years to come. Life had to be put on hold while the world got sick and frankly, still is sick. And I know that we're all excited to come back together again. I'm very excited to come back um, on Sunday and see people and and be able to preach uh, in a pulpit. I'm very excited about that. But I'm also happy with the time that I've been able to have with my new baby and with my family here. But the reality is that as a community, as a global community, we're not out of the woods yet in terms of coronavirus, in terms of this pandemic. Uh, here in Lincoln County, as they've increased testing, they've they've discovered uh, several more cases of coronavirus in the community. And all these cases, they call them uh, community transmission, which means that Individuals don't have any connection with people who are already sick, which essentially means they're getting it from other people in the community who don't know that they are sick. So we have we have a sickness here that we're not sure who has it. Uh, we're not sure if it could crop, crop up and spike. We don't know. That's the reality that we're facing. Uh, and I'm not a fan of obscuring reality. I I tend to want to face reality straight on. That's the facts. We're not running away from it. We're acknowledging that this is the world that we now live in. It's uncertain today. It's an uncertain time. It's an uncertain world. Just like in Joel's time, it's dangerous. It's devastating. It's it's destructive. As Joel looks out and he sees crops disappear, there's a lot of questions about what happens tomorrow. What happens the next day? What happens if our next crop isn't as good as it could be? And could that lead to more destruction? And we cry out, just like Joel did. He cries out. He says, to you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the open pastures. And the reason why we call it to God is because we know, we know from our own lives that with God, if we would link ourselves up with God, destruction does not have the final word. We know that. You know, I'm bothered all the time by people who want to talk about evidence for God, evidence for the reality of God. I I get bothered by that, partly because I think that people use that as an excuse. Oh, I need you to give me proof that God exists. 
That's an excuse, first of all. But the other reason why it bothers me so much is because the truest, the greatest, the most convincing evidence that we have for God, that any one of us has for God, is our own life. It's our own story. It's the own. It's our own testimony of the times when we've been in despair, the times when things looked the darkest, the times when we were uh, the most hard up and God showed up and did something miraculous. And that's the kind of evidence that we can't, you can't give to somebody. That's the kind of evidence that people have to live through. But we know that that's true. We know in our hearts that God is real. We know in our hearts that he's faithful to us, not because of some convincing speech or some kind of uh, book that we've read, but because of what God has done in our own lives. I think about one woman who she began a descent into alcoholism because of the circumstances of her life. Her life began to spiral out of control. Relationships suffered. It began to unravel. And she ended up in, in jail, actually. And in the midst of her devastation, in the midst of her destruction, at the very end of her rope, when everything was looking like it was heading down the direction of darkness, she decided to call to God, just like Joel does here. And God began to do a work in her life, an inner work in her life that began to have outer consequences. And she began to see relationships being dis- being restored. And she began to see her livelihood building back up again. So that her life after the period of destruction, her life after coming to God, her life after surrendering was so much greater was so much better and more fulfilling than her life even before alcoholism took a hold of her. Because with God, destruction never has the last word. With God, destruction never has the last word. That is spirit renewal. That's spirit transformation. And so Joel begins to look at the destruction around him. He begins to look at the fields that are bare and empty now. And he's probably thinking about the long-lasting effects that this destruction is going to have on his community. And his reaction to this, his, his answer to this, is to turn to God, to call out to God. And perhaps many of his fellow citizens even blamed God for this destruction. Maybe some other people in Jerusalem, they were ignoring God completely. They began to work out their own salvation and their own lives and, and trying their best to put two and two together. Maybe people continued living their life in despair. But Joel knew that if the community was going to recover, if the people were going to recover, it was going to require an act of God. And so he calls the people to respond. He calls the people to repent. And the response to destruction became repentance. Let's read now. This is chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, I don't want to see it on the outward. I want it to be internal. I want it to be real. I don't want you to put on a show of repentance. I want you to rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Repentance is more about saying, I'm sorry. People today, I think, get hung up on repentance. They get hung up on sin because we've 
we've made it into something that it's not. We've made sin into a list of um, things that you're not supposed to do. We've made sin into a rules list, into into a law, really. And we've put it before people. We've said, you have to do these things. And if you don't do any of these things, you have to say that you're sorry for not doing them or for doing something else. That's what we've turned sin into. That's what we've turned repentance into. But repentance is not about saying, I'm sorry. It really isn't. Repentance is about a restored relationship with God. It's about turning from the things that have kept you away from God and turning back to God and pursuing a relationship with God. It's less about moving God to pity so that he would forgive you. It's less about saying, oh God, I'm so terrible. Would you please forgive me? It's less about moving God and it's more about moving you. It's more about moving your heart. It's more about turning you back to God than it is about God turning to you. God is looking. He's watching you. He's waiting. Are they going to come back? Are they going to repent? In fact, in Greek, the word for repentance is menonia, which means to turn away, to turn away from. Will you come back with everything? Will you turn back to God? What is it that keeps you from God? That is what you need to repent of because it is stopping you from experiencing a full relationship with your creator. That's what it's about. It's not about a list of rules. It's about what is keeping you away from God. And I believe that today God is calling us to repent. And this is why it's so important, I think, during this season to recognize what God is doing in your life. At the very beginning of this, as I began to preach, what I felt like God was putting on my heart was he was saying, There's things I want to do during this time. There's things I want to do during lockdown. I want to work on people's hearts. I want to develop a greater sense of intimacy. I want to do something during this time. And for some of us, we've really grabbed a hold of that. We've really said, yes, let's do it. And we've pushed forward and we've seen some amazing times of intimacy with God. And for others of us, we're still resisting that a bit. We're still holding off. We're still holding back until we can come back together again. And I just want to challenge you. I want to give you a challenge. And I I hope that you accept this challenge. It's not an easy challenge, but it's a real one. We're going to be calling people this next week to kind of uh, make sure we have to make sure we're not going to have more than 25 people in the building. So we need to know exactly who is coming on a Sunday. So we're going to be calling and setting that up this week. And I, I want to challenge you right now. Before we do that, take the rest of today. We're not going to, I'm, I'm going to tell Debbie, Debbie, if you're listening, don't call today. Don't call anybody today. Wait until tomorrow and we can start calling people tomorrow. Take the rest of the day today and pray and ask God, is there something you meant to do during this lockdown that I've neglected to do? Is there something that you have intended to do during this time that I have been neglecting? Is there a level of intimacy? Is there a relationship in my life? Is there um, a discipline? Is there a, a, a specific thing that I was meant to do during this time of lockdown that I have not yet done? Take the rest of today to pray that. I'm, I'm totally serious. Write this down if you need to. Take today to pray that. And if God speaks to you, if God says to you, yes, I was intending on you restoring this relationship. I was intending on you reading your Bible in this way. I was intending on you to develop a prayer life. I was intending on you to do this. If God speaks to you, any of those things, I want to challenge you today because I I don't care about you coming to church. I care about you being with Jesus and developing your relationship with him. If God tells you that there's something that you neglected to do during this time of lockdown, when Debbie or somebody else calls you this week and asks you to come to service, 
I want you to say no. I want you to say, you know what? I can't. Not not right now. God has me doing something. I have to do something first before we can come back together again. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Okay, that's what I've been saying this whole time. But I'm afraid that that our excitement, our exuberance is going to cause us to rush in before God is done dealing with us where we're at. So don't don't let this pass you by. Okay, pray to God to ask him today. Is there something that you intended on doing during lockdown? And I, I want you to know there's something on my heart that God is intended on me doing. So I have a week to do it. And that's crazy because I don't know if I can be able to do it in a week, but I will. Because I am going to be faithful to God. I will let you know. I will report out to you on Sunday whether or not I have done the thing that God has put on my heart to do. But you have to take this time. Okay, so take the rest of the day to pray to God. And if God says to you, I wanted you to do this and you didn't do it, you got to tell Debbie. You got to tell the person who calls you, look, I have to stay away from church until I finish this task. Do that. Believe me, you don't want to go back. You don't want to leave anything undone. So we need to repent. We need to return to God. Turn back to him. And there's two specific things that I think we need to repent about today. First is we need to repent for fear. You know, the potential for fear today is just as high, if not higher, than when we began this lockdown. The potential for fear is just as high, if not higher. And I want you to, I want you to hear me properly in that. I'm not saying that we're afraid of this virus. That, that fear is real, but that's what I'm not ultimately concerned about. We are have become afraid of our own neighbors. We've become afraid of out-of-towners. We've become afraid of our government. We've become afraid of, of people in power. We have allowed fear to creep into our hearts, and we need to repent of that. This lockdown isn't just about a virus. It's, it's also a test. It's a test for the world. And God is asking us, who will you trust? Who will you put your trust in? And for so many people, they've put their trust into all these other things. And as these things begin to fail them, or as these things begin to call be called into question, they're full of fear because their world is falling apart because they have not put their trust in God. Joel looked over the devastation brought about by these locusts. And he realized that what the peoples needed was to return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. Some Christians today are putting their trust in themselves first and in God second. We got people stockpiling on guns. Why? Because they don't trust that their own government will be responsible towards them. But they do trust their ability to defend themselves with a weapon. We got some Christians today harassing one another, being upset with one another, putting their uh, keying. There's there's some reports of people keying cars, out-of-counter cars. Why is that? Because they don't trust their neighbor to be responsible, but they do trust their ability to ward off a disease with a mask. Am I condemning guns? Am I condemning masks? No, not at all. I'm not doing that at all. What I am condemning is the attitude of today, which says God can't protect me, so I have to protect myself. That's that's what I'm condemning. It's wise to take appropriate actions. It's wise to wear a mask when it's necessary to do so. But our first trust needs to be in God. If this pandemic were a pop quiz from God, and the question was, do we trust you? I want to know how many of us, how many of us 
our community and this world would pass that quiz. I'm not sure. I'm afraid many, many will have failed. And we need to repent. We need to repent of the fear that's in our own hearts. We need to repent that we have not put our trust in God. And even more than that, we need to repent of what this fear has produced in us, in our hearts, and in our actions. And that's the second thing that we need to repent of, and that is hate. Once fear gets a hold of your heart, hatred comes right in. It begins to produce hatred. Those things that we fear, we will hate, and we will want to destroy. And we've seen so much hatred in our world. Hatred even coming from Christian communities. Listen, our tourist industry will eventually rebuild itself. Do you know what will never rebuild itself? The bridges that we are burning with our neighbors. The relationships that we're ending today because of hatred and fear. Those will never rebuild. Your 401k may rebuild. But your relationship with your neighbor who you harassed for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask will not. We need to repent of hatred. God is calling this world to repentance. When devastation hits, we need to turn to God. The problem is not that fear and hatred are sinful. The problem is that they drive division between you and your neighbor. And whenever there's division between you and your neighbor, there's division between you and God. Listen to what John writes in 1 John. He says, anyone who claims to be the light but hates a brother and sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister loves the light, lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Hatred blinds us to the truth. It separates us from our neighbors. It separates us from the light. It's the darkness that settles on our hearts. And we need to return and return to God. We need to repent. And as the people began to repent, they hear a response from God. And that's where I want to really emphasize and really go away with. You have to get through the hard work before you hear a response from God. You have to have repentance before you hear a response from God. Notice the sequence of events. They turn to God. They cry out to God. And then there's a response. Verse 19 uh, chapter of chapter 2. This is what it says. The Lord will reply to them. I am sending you grain, new wine, and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern army far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land with its front columns going into the eastern sea and those in the rear into the western sea. And its stench will go up and its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Be not afraid, O land. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Be not afraid, O wild animals, for the open pastures are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. With God, destruction never has the last word. God is going to pour out his blessings on those who trust him. And in fact, scripture says God will keep in perfect peace. That's a, a, a passage that Christy Michelson loves to bring up. 
And I need to be reminded of that. God will keep in perfect peace those whose hearts are set on him. Those who trust him. Those who trust in the Lord, God will keep in perfect peace. God has promised to do that. But we have forgotten his promises. We have turned away from him. Now we need to return. We need to repent. With God, destruction doesn't get the final word. God begins to outpour his blessings. And I believe that God will see us through this time. That God will begin to rebuild. As we watch the locusts take away our produce. As we watch as this pandemic continues to ravage. And you know what, brothers and sisters? I'm really excited about coming back this Sunday. But I'm not going to lie to you. I can foresee a circumstance where we might have to go back into lockdown. And if that day comes, we need to put our trust in God even more than today. Even more than now. We need to turn back to him and come back to him. And he will pour out his blessings on us. Let's read on. I will repay you, says the Lord, for the years that the locusts have eaten. Amen. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. God is in the business of restoring lost years. God is in the business of restoring lost produce. God is in the business of restoring lost lives. I will repay you for the lives, for the years that the locusts have eaten. God will repay us. We will come out of this. God will uh, pour out blessings upon us. But the question is, will we believe in him? Will we put our trust and our hope in him? That's my encouragement for you today. That's the word that I believe God has for us today. So you need to take time now. You need to take time to pray, to seek God, to ask God, what is it that I am neglecting to do? What is it that I need to do still before this lockdown ends? Let me pray with you really quick, and then I'll give you an announcement about this next week. Lord, I pray for a blessing on everyone who's watching this. God, that you would pour out your goodness and your grace on our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you would lead us to repentance. Lead us to a space of being back with you again. Lord, put it on our hearts. What is the thing? What is the purpose? that we have been neglecting. Let us engage with it, Lord. Don't let us leave. Don't let us come back together. Don't let us run away. Lord, Let hold our hearts and grab our attention. And we want to return to you. Father, we just come before you right now and confess that we have been full of fear. Lord, we come before you right now and confess the fear of our hearts, the fear towards our neighbors, the fear towards our government, the fear towards a, a virus, the fear towards those in authority. We repent of that, Lord. Would you forgive us? And God, we want to turn and put our trust in you. God, forgive us of our hatred. Lord, we have hated those who we were afraid of. We have hated those who we thought were seeking our life. And we ask that you would forgive us, Jesus. Would you please forgive us for the hatred that we've held, the hatred that we've expressed in thoughts and words and in deeds. Lord, would you forgive us? Forgive our land, Lord, for the hatred that we have poured into it. Jesus, would you take us and return us to you and fill our hearts with trust and hope and peace and joy in your spirit, Lord. In your precious and holy name, Jesus, would you come and bless each one of these. Amen. Well, I'm uh, I'm happy for this opportunity. I'm happy to um, be with you in this way, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this next week. So let me give you some information um, as to what it's going to look like next Sunday. So we are going to be calling people this week. Uh, if you don't get a call from us by Wednesday, 
So wait until Wednesday. If you don't have a call from us by Wednesday, it means we don't have your number and we need you to contact us and give us your number. So we're going to call you by Wednesday and we're going to ask uh, if you're planning on coming to church. And we'll have, you know, if you want to come this Sunday or you want to come uh, the last Sunday in May, which will be a Children's Mission Sunday, although it'll just be a Mission Sunday. Or if you want to come the first Sunday in June, and we'll do that for a few weeks, we'll say, which Sunday, sign up for a Sunday that you can come to. And we'll we'll set up the next few weeks. I don't know how long we'll be in this phase. I don't know how long phase one is going to last. I think it's going to, I think that it's two weeks or 15 days from the beginning of phase one, so long as numbers stay down. Somebody might want to check me on that, but I believe that's what it is. It's two weeks from the beginning of phase one, as long as the numbers stay down. So if the numbers don't stay down um, or uh, if they extend it for any reason, we'll have to extend also how we do this. We're allowed to have 25 people in the building at a time. Um, now there's a stipulation that because we have an upstairs and a downstairs. So we'll have 25 people upstairs and potentially we could have 25 people downstairs. But uh, what the governor is requesting for churches and what we're going to follow, not because we're paranoid, but because we want to be good citizens, we want to obey the government and we want to be prudent and keeping people healthy. I do not want to see an outbreak happen at our church. That's the last thing I want to see. So the, we have to really respect the six foot distancing rule. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to clear out the sanctuary. We're going to, um, the, on Monday, tomorrow at 10 a.m., if you're free, come uh, to help. We're going to clear out the sanctuary. We're going to reconstruct it so that there's uh, spaces between all the chairs. Uh, you can come in. You can stay close to um, you can stay close to your family members, people living in your own house. Stay within six feet. That's fine. But everybody else has to be at least six feet away. That means only one person in the bathroom at a time, only one person or one family unit in, in the bathroom at a time. That means we are closing down the stairwell, so we're not walking up and down the stairs. If you want to be upstairs, you got to park upstairs. If you want to be downstairs, you got to park downstairs. That means um, when you come into the sanctuary, please stay in your area, stay in the area of your chairs. Uh, it also means that if if you have children, it's going to be really difficult for kids to not run around and say hi to people, and it's going to be hard. I, and I know, but again, I what I what we have to do is we have to be in line with what the governor is saying, and we also have to be prudent. So. If you bring your child with you, recognize that you are going to have to have them next to you the entire service. And if that's going to be too hard, you might want to continue. We're going to still going to broadcast things online. You might want to stay home for a bit. And I, I know that's hard. I realize that that's hard. My kids are going to have to stay here because there's no way we can control our kids. So they're going to have to stay home. Um, and that's difficult. But I, I want to be in line with everything. All right. So we want to do this right. Okay, because this is a privilege. This is a great privilege. And if things go out of hand and if Lincoln County has a big spike in cases, they're going to shut us back down again. And we're going to have to go back to this and we're not even going to have 25 people meeting in the building. Okay, so we're going to honor this privilege that we have. So uh, if you have young children, recognize they're going to have to stay with you the whole time and you may want to stay home for a little bit. Um. Other important things. We're going to have a couple monitors, a couple sergeants. We're calling them sergeants. Debbie came up with that term. I thought it was a good one. We're going to have a couple sergeants, one upstairs and one downstairs. Please listen to them. They may say things like, hey, make sure you stay six feet away, that kind of thing. Also, during worship, 
this was another thing the governor said. The governor said, we don't want you to do worship. We don't want you to sing because when you sing, you project and the droplets that you, that normally might only go six feet if you're talking, get, go far ways away. And the, some of the worst outbreaks they've had other than at nursing homes have been at choirs, choir practices, choir performances, because people project a lot. Now I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, well, we can't not sing. We got to sing. So this is a workaround. It's not going to be fun, but it's a workaround and it'll make it so we can sing. And that is when we do worship and we sing, you have to have a mask on. So we have, uh, we're enlisting Karen Benelli Sanquist to make us a bunch of masks. We'll have masks available for you. If you have one from home, bring it. And what you're going to do is you can come to the church. You don't have to wear a mask in the church. When it comes time to worship, you got to put the mask on. I'll be wearing a mask for worship too. Wear the mask for worship. And then after worship, you can take it off again. Okay. Again, we want to be in line with what the governor says. We want to be prudent towards our health. All right. Not the best solution. Not a perfect solution. But hey, I will happily do it if it means I get to see you guys again and be in your presence and worship God together. Happily. I will happily do it. So that is uh, what I can think of as announcements for that. Uh, We're going to call you in the next few days. Uh, starting Monday, and we'll call you by Wednesday. If we don't call you by Wednesday, please let us know. Um, and we'll make sure that you have all the information that you need. If you need any more information, you can email us. You can call the church. Um, and if you want to stop by tomorrow morning at 10, that'd be great. We could use your help. Uh, again, socially distant and all that good business. Okay. Is there anything else I'm missing about that, Amy? Okay. If there is, uh, we'll let you know when we call you. But God bless you guys. Let me just pray a blessing over you. I I love reading this this blessing that's out of the book of Jude. And so let me just pray that over you. Uh, And wait, Debbie says, you you can give my phone number so people can call if they don't hear me by Wednesday. Okay. Well, that's going to require me going and getting something. Can you go get the, it's, you have it? Okay. All right. I'm going to get that for you. I'm going to read this blessing and then I'm going to read you uh, Debbie Warden's phone number. We're going to put it online. It's going to be on YouTube, Debbie. It's going to be there per- permanently. So just FYI, not sure you want that. <laughs> Maybe you should just call us. Don't, don't, I'm not going to put her phone number online. Some, some creep is going to watch this video in 10 years and call Debbie up and harass her. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'll give you the church number. 541-994-9319. Call that number. 541-994-9319. I want to respect Debbie. I'm not giving out your number, Debbie. I love you too much. All right. Let's read this. I'm going to read this blessing over you. Uh, and would you just would you just receive this from the Lord? Lord, come and bless us. Lord, come and bless these people. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go with God. Oh, and I just spilled a bunch of water. It's a good time to, to end it. Go with God. We love you guys. I hope to see you tomorrow. If not, I really hope to see you by Sunday. Um, but pray. Pray for the rest of the day, and God will show you whether or not you should show up this Sunday. God bless. <laughs>